السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله والصلاة والسلام على رسول الله وعلى آله وأصحابه أجمعين We praise Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala We thank him upon all conditions We send blessings and salutations upon Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam His entire household, all his companions We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala To bless every single one of them And to bless every single one of us And to grant us goodness in this world and the next to protect our children and offspring, those to come up to the end of time. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala keep them all steadfast. Ameen. My brothers and sisters, it is important for us to know that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has asked us to save ourselves from the punishment of hellfire. Verse number six of Surah Al-Tahreem, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala makes it quite clear. He says, يَا أَيُّهَا الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا قُوا أَنفُسَكُمْ وَأَهْلِيكُمْ نَارًا O you who believe, save yourselves and your family members from the fire. Save yourselves and your family members from the fire. Based on this, the theme of the series of this year's Ramadan lectures has been Save Yourself. The idea is going through the verses of the Quran, looking at the instructions of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, taking a look at the instructions of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, how best can we save ourselves, not only from the fire of Jahannam, but more so, or to start off with in this world, to protect ourselves from stress, from anxiety, from various bad qualities such as jealousy, hatred, and the result of it from wars, from difficulty, from hatred, from disunity, from so many different issues, including physical sickness, spiritual sickness. We need to save ourselves from this. So Alhamdulillah, we've been going through quite a bit. I'd like to seize the opportunity of this Jumu'ah to continue with the same series and to proceed and progress from where we left off last night. So we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to grant us an understanding. Ibrahim والسلام, his story is mentioned in detail in the Quran, quite a bit of detail. So we would be able to structure an entire history based on the Quranic version of the story of Ibrahim There came a stage when he debated with his people in a beautiful way. He asked them questions and they asked him questions. And the responses came from either side. They used to worship idols. His father was guilty of carving these idols, making them out of wood and out of stone. And what the father would do is sell them. At that time, they were so foolish, they used to worship the idols, thinking that something or someone besides Allah can bring about goodness or happiness or answer their dua. So he used to ask them a question, how can you worship these things you are carving with your own hands? Can't you think for a moment? He told his father, oh my father, follow me. You know, I might be your son, but I can tell you I know more than you. Ya abati inni qad ja'ani min al-ilmi ma'alam ya'tik fattabi'ni ahdika siratan sawiyya. Oh my father, knowledge has come to me that you don't have. So follow me and I will guide you. Pause for a moment. All of us save ourselves from ignorance by learning, even if it means from someone younger than us. 
One day a little child, a small child comes to you and tells you, you know what dad, I think it's very bad that you're smoking. Quit, otherwise it's going to cause a problem. You don't just say, keep quiet, who do you think you are? I'm your dad, I'm older than you. No, don't respond in a similar way that the father of Ibrahim responded to him. Because with us, we learn from this that you must change your bad ways, habits, thoughts, ideas and belief even if it means a younger person than you is correcting you. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us a beautiful lesson. So part of the discussion that happened between Ibrahim alayhi salatu wasalam and the nation or the people that he was sent to, part of it was where they told him, you need to fear these stones and these, these uh, pieces of wood. You need to fear these idols. They control harm and damage. And they are the ones who will actually inflict a lot of damage on you. So he used to ask and he said to them, verse number 81 of the surah. How can I fear that which you are associating as partners with Allah, when you are not even fearful of Allah who has created absolutely everything. You think I'm going to be scared of your idols when you are not scared of the Lord of the worlds and he has not revealed for you any form of authority to worship anything he has created. So there were two groups of people. Ibrahim alayhi salatu wasalam on one side and the rest of them on the other. And Ibrahim alayhi salatu wasalam is telling them, worship the one who made you alone. And the rest of them are saying, no, no, you worship these things that we're making. They used to make money out of it. You know, there is mention made of how when they had problems, they would go to their idols and cry. They would clasp their hands and cry to the idols. And then when they had big problems, they would go around looking for the richer people who could afford bigger idols. So they would think, you know, my little idol is so small, it's the size of a hand. So it won't help me in the big issues. When there are massive issues, I need a big thing. So the richer people had greater access to solution to the problems according to them than those who were poor. Yet when it comes to Lord of the worlds, it's got nothing to do with how much wealth you have. You call out to Allah no matter who you are, what color you are, how much wealth you have. That's irrelevant. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us understanding. Look at how knocked their brains were. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protect us from similar thinking. Amin. So there were two groups. Verse number 82, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala makes this beautiful declaration and perhaps it was from the statements of Ibrahim alayhi salatu wasalam. So Ibrahim alayhi salatu wasalam asks them, which one of the two groups do you think is more deserving of the peace, the security of the hereafter and even of this world? Which one of the two groups, if you know, respond to me? And the response was none other than Those who have believed and have not contaminated that belief with shirk or with association of partners with Allah, they are the ones who deserve the peace. They are the ones who will achieve that peace. For indeed, it is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala who grants this peace. So the lesson I learned and the lesson we should all be learning from this is that when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has told us 
that it is very serious to associate partners with him, we should take heed. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala save us from the difficulties of this world and the next. Thereafter, we have a very interesting declaration from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Instruction, or maybe I could say prohibition. Those idols were obviously extended well beyond the time of Ibrahim alayhi salatu wasalam. To this day, people worship so many things besides Allah. Now the question is, it wouldn't be wrong, technically speaking, to laugh at these idols and the people who worship the idols and call them funny names. You know, you're a fool, you're stupid and so on and so forth. It wouldn't technically be wrong. But Allah says, don't swear them and don't swear those idols. The reason is, as a result of your action, they might swearing, they might start swearing Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and you would have caused it. So from this we learn that as Muslims we need to be worried about the reaction of our action even though our action might not be totally prohibited. If I for example am passing, someone's doing something really silly and I laugh at him so loud that I make him so angry that he wants to start beating me, I caused it. I caused it for myself. I should have just looked down and carried on. Subhanallah. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us understanding. So verse number 108 of Surah Al-An'am, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَلَا تَسُبُّ الَّذِينَ يَدْعُونَ مِن دُونِ اللَّهِ فَيَسُبُّ اللَّهَ عَدْوًا بِغَيْرِ عِلْمٍ And do not swear or curse or laugh or mock at or joke about those calling out to gods besides Allah because as a result they may do the same to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala without knowledge. You would have caused it. So this is why we say, look brother, we can discuss it with you. You know, I believe what you are doing is wrong, etc. Speak with respect. Why? To save yourselves from what? From the trouble, the hassle, the extra aggro and tension, disunity, the split, perhaps physical fighting, swearing, jeering, mocking. Protect yourself from that. Think deeply before you open your mouth. That's the lesson from this beautiful verse. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala help us. Now I'm sure all of us, while we are fasting, we are so, so concerned about things going into our mouths. Because we know that if something goes into my mouth, food or drink, I'm going to render my fast invalid, right? If I'm doing it knowingly. But my brothers and sisters, did you know that equally important is to be concerned about what comes out of your mouth? Did you know that? So I cannot say I'm fasting, but you're swearing, you're lying, you're cheating, you're deceiving, you have bad words, vulgar words, you're hurting people's feelings at home, you're saying things like, you know, and then you say, I'm hungry. Do you know a hungry man is an angry man? Hey, 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 keep quiet. Keep all that aside. You're supposed to be a fasting man, not a hungry man. You don't describe yourself as a hungry man. Subhanallah, I once had a brother coming to me and says, does the same apply to women? Because my wife gets so cross. Allahu Akbar. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protect us. So my brothers and sisters, what's important for us to be conscious about is also what comes out of our mouth. Like we saw in this verse, verse number 108, think before you speak. Thereafter, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks about that which is haram in terms of consumption, what you're not allowed to eat. So there are so many things that he makes mention of. In this verse, number 121 of Surah Al-An'am, he speaks of a few of these things. He speaks of swine, or should I say pork, that which is carrion, dead, you know, an animal that has not been slaughtered and sacrificed in the name of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, it's dead, you're not allowed to eat it. And he speaks about blood. Blood itself, you know, if it is in very, very small amounts within the food, 
or within the meat, it would probably get cooked. But we're talking about more blood. That blood which is in a larger quantity that you know you could have drained out. That's prohibited. You're not allowed to eat or drink blood. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us protection. So Allah says, وَلَا تَأْكُلُوا مِمَّا لَمْ يُذْكَرِ اسْمُ اللَّهِ عَلَيْهِ وَإِنَّهُ لَفِسْقَ The first category. Do not eat that which the name of Allah is not mentioned upon it. Do not eat that which the name of Allah is not mentioned upon it. The majority of the ummah say that that is referring to the time of slaughter. In fact, the bulk, if not all of the ummah, that is referring to the time of slaughter. When you are slaughtering the animal, you need to have said the name of Allah. Allah is telling you, don't consume that which has been slaughtered and the name of Allah has not been uttered while it was being slaughtered. Because it is a sin. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protect us from the sin. And it continues, it goes further, verse number 145 of the same surah, where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks about al-maytah. He says, قُلْ لَا أَجِدُ فِيمَا أُوحِيَ إِلَيَّ مُحَرَّمًا عَلَىٰ Tell them, O Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, that I don't find anything made prohibited by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to consume besides the following. And here a few things are mentioned. In other places, some other things are mentioned. Like I said, here three things are mentioned. Allah says, It's nothing is prohibited besides that which is carrion, that which is dead. You didn't slaughter it, you didn't cut it. It's a dead animal. You see a dead sheep, a dead cow. Sheep and cow, if slaughtered correctly, can be edible, can be halal. But here we're talking about that which is dead. And thereafter, damam masfuhan, flowing blood, prohibited, you're not allowed. And thereafter, lahma khinzir, the flesh of a swine, pork and bacon and everything else. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protect us from anything to do with a pig, with a swine. Imagine the name of that animal itself is a swear word even to those who consume it. Did you think of it? If someone were to use that to refer to those who love pork, they would never think <laughs> that this is now someone really praising me. No, not at all. A person who only eats bacon and swine, call him a swine or a pig and see what happens. Astaghfirullah. It already shows that human nature is such that it knows there is something wrong with this animal, even if they eat it. So my brothers and sisters, it's important for us to know when Allah declares something haram, remember, subhanallah, it has to be totally, totally prohibited and bad for you, such that your nature deep down would know that this is bad. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us safety. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks about a different type of prohibitions. Now, why did I speak about consumption? Because my brothers and sisters, we need to save ourselves from disease, sickness, physical as well as spiritual. So Allah makes mention of things that if you were to take heed, you would save yourselves from physical sickness as well. When you eat swine, for example, you can get sick, tapeworm and everything else. And when you are, for example, drinking blood, that would also be something where it would result in your sickness. You know, when you want to test if you are sick, may Allah grant us all cure. But if you want to test a person is sick and what's wrong with them, what do you check? You check the blood. 
Because disease is in the blood. That's why. So this is why when you slaughter an animal, make sure the blood is drained. All disease goes out with it. Subhanallah. Simple as that. So today if I am sick or something happens, may Allah grant us all good health, the doctor will say, go for a blood test and he'll write down what he wants to check in the blood. No matter what in the blood, they'll be able to tell. That's the power of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala warns us about these things. That which is dead, for example, you get sick, it's filled with bacteria. In no time, it starts becoming bad. The blood is there, it's mixed and so on. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala safeguard us. Now, to save ourselves, to save ourselves from disease that is spiritual, what we need to know and what we need to realize is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has drawn up a list of things that are prohibited when it comes to that which is besides consumption of food. So Allah says, Muhammad Tell them, come here. Now, why come here? You know, when I'm talking, I can talk to you. And you would listen to me. But if I told you, hey, listen to me, it means what I'm about to say is very important. You know, when I said this once, there was a man who told me that's not true. My wife was taught by her parents not to call the husband with the first name. You know, some cultures have that. You don't call your wife or your husband. You don't call your husband with the first name. So I said, oh, that's interesting. So I would have thought, you know, maybe, maybe she calls him babes or something of that nature, you know. But rather than that, he says, she calls me, listen, listen. And I'm like, what? Hey, listen. Listen is my name. Subhanallah, it's become my name. Allahu Akbar. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala forgive us. <laughs> I'm not trying to poke at a culture, but I am saying it's something really cultural. So, subhanallah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is so, so merciful. When He says something important, He draws our attention. He says, Oh Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa in some places He says, tell them. Here He says, tell them, come here. Come. Come meaning what I'm about to say is extremely important. Give it an ear. Listen, extremely, extremely important. Here goes. Allah says, Qul ta'ala, verse number 151, Suratul An'am. Let me recite to you what Allah has made prohibited upon you. Imagine, the Prophet is saying, Come, let me recite to you what Allah has made prohibited upon you. First thing, don't commit shirk. Allahu Akbar. You know, people don't like this topic. And I've always said, it should be the most discussed topic. It's the only sin Allah says, if you die without seeking forgiveness, I'm not going to forgive you. There's no other sin that Allah has said that for. So that's why I talk about it. Raise the issue. Ask yourself, am I doing this in any aspect of my life? If I am, I better save myself. That's shaitan's main trophy. When he succeeds in making people engage in shirk, he has really achieved a lot according to him. So uh, the first thing that he's always mentioned, la tushriku bihi shay'an. Don't associate partners with Allah in any way. Be good to your parents. Be kind to your parents. One might ask, what's the connection between the two? Simple connection. Who created you? Allah. Who did He choose to bring you through into this world? Your parents. That's the connection. It was Allah's choice. Did you apply ever before you were born? Oh Allah, I want to be born in Basmant. 
I want to be born, for example, parents who are loaded, rich, you know. I want to have parents with blue eyes. I want to have this. And no way. It was Allah's choice. If we had application forms, there would have been a disaster. Allah says, we haven't kept it for you. We have kept it for ourselves. So just respect your parents, no matter who they are. They could be Muslim. They could be non-Muslim. They could be sinful people. They could be people who are far and astray. You respect them. You may correct them. You may even want to distance yourself, but respectfully, if they have an evil influence or they are instructing you to do something haram. Imagine. The Sahaba عنهم, used to ask the Prophet about their parents, some of whom were not Muslim. And the Prophet always responded, be kind to them, be good to them, even if they're not Muslim. The only time you don't listen to them is when they instruct you to do something in transgression of the command of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala beautifully puts it, وَبِالْوَالِدَيْنِ إِحْسَانًا Then Allah says, وَلَا there was something that used to happen at the time of the Prophet ﷺ. They used to be embarrassed to have female children. Every time there was a girl born, as soon as the child was born, they used to kill the child. By doing what? Burying them alive. So Allah says, don't you dare do that. Don't bury your children because of poverty. Min imlaq. Because of poverty. And then Allah says, We will sustain you. We will provide for you and for the child. Each child comes with his or her own sustenance. You know, I have an elderly person who met me and I asked him, How many children do you have? He says, I have 12 children. I said, Oh, mashallah. He says, it was tough bringing them up, but now I can sit. Each one of them comes and gives me an allowance on a monthly basis. And I'm a wealthy man. I've got so much of surplus. And I paused and thought for a moment, at the beginning, you think I'm only going to have two children because you know what? It's very expensive to bring up children. Not realizing if both of them become druggies, may Allah protect us all, you're gone. Who's going to look after you when you're old? But if you have 10 children, the chances of one of them at least looking after you are great. Subhanallah. So you are wiser to have a few more children so, so that the risk of you not being looked after are minimized. Come on, come on. Think about it. It might be difficult initially, but then again, everyone grows. Everyone comes with their own sustenance. Allah says, don't kill your children for this reason. If you are worried about money and wealth, Allah will provide for you and for them. So this verse says, min imlaq. In another place, Allah says, khashyata imlaq. Don't kill your children fearing poverty. Notice the first verse I read, you're already poor and then you want to kill your children or you don't want to have children because you're poor. So Allah says, we will provide for you and for the child. And the other verse says, don't kill your children fearing poverty. You're not yet poor, but you're fearing, hey, they're going to share the plate with me at the moment. I can at least have half a chicken every day. If I've got four or five children, I'm only going to have a small amount of that chicken and it's not going to be nice. So let me not have those children. Allah says, no. Don't kill your children fearing poverty. We will provide for them and for you. In that verse, first Allah says we'll provide for them and then for you. In this verse, Allah says first we'll provide for you and then for them. Why? What's the difference? In the first verse, you were already poor. So Allah says we'll provide for you and for the child. In the second verse, you were not poor. You were fearing poverty. So Allah says we'll provide for the child and we'll continue providing for you. Allahu Akbar. Look at the words that are used in the Quran. How beautiful. From this what I learned is to have children is a blessing. To have female children is an even bigger blessing because the Prophet says whoever has female children, two, three or more, looks after them, gives them a good upbringing, helps them to get married to decent people, Allah will give them Jannah. 
Why? The reason is when you have a daughter, she's not yours. You are grooming her, looking after her for somebody else. It's not going to be easy for you to look at another man, come and take away someone you've groomed for 20 to 30 years. Subhanallah, it's not easy. A lot of people charge money for that. If you've charged money for that, that's your reward, gone. You receive nothing in the akhirah. There is nothing like selling your daughter. Remember this. You know, they charge monies. They say, right, you want my daughter? Give me a million. That's it. Because I took her to school. I did this. She played with my beard. And I promise you, it's a culture in some places. You know, she, I, I, I sent her to top schools. I gave her education. You have a doctor that's suddenly coming. So I need a million. That's it. You don't want? In fact, you can extend it over 10 years, but I need that money. They have names. They call it various names. In Islam, that's not what happens. Your reward is with Allah. Allah says, you looked after the child, you will now get Jannah. Subhanallah. This is what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has asked us to do. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Still part of that list that the Prophet is reading, right? He says, do not engage in immorality, whether it is hidden or open. Some people engage in immorality. They sit and watch pornography. They have illicit relationships with other people of the opposite sex or sometimes even people with the same sex. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protect us from immorality. Remember something, whether it is apparent or hidden, quit it, cut it. If you want to be saved, you really need to cut immorality. Sometimes immorality is in the form of speech. Every other word is an F word. And every other word is an A word and a B word and a Z word. Ask me, I don't even know what that is, but I'm just saying it. But at the same time, we come up with new words referring to what? It's just immoral. It's vulgar. It's bad. It's unacceptable. Cut it. Allah says, please, don't go near immorality. Don't even go near. When Allah says, don't go near something, it means it is terrible, terrible, terrible. Something very bad. So we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to protect ourselves or to help us protect ourselves. And remember something, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says immediately after that, وَلَا تَقْتُلُوا النَّفْسَ الَّتِي حَرَّمَ اللَّهُ إِلَّا بِالْحَقِّ Don't ever commit murder. Never kill someone extrajudicially. What that means is, if the justice system allows it, alhamdulillah. If not, no. So you cannot kill someone. There has to be a system. Life is sacred. The same way you're not allowed to kill the child in your womb. You're not allowed to kill a baby. You're not allowed to kill an adult. You cannot commit murder. Today life has become cheap. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us ease. We have a difference with someone and we say, kill him, get him knocked off. I'm going to show him. We take out a knife, we take out a gun, and that's it. We want to show we are big. In the eyes of Allah, you are nothing. You are not even the size of a grain of sand. And look at what you want to do. Allah says, Does man not see that we created him from a droplet of sperm? From a what? A droplet, one droplet of sperm. And then he suddenly becomes big and he wants to come and start arguing. When you see a big man arguing, tell him, hey, you were a droplet of sperm at one stage. Come on, stop arguing. Astaghfirullah. The Quran says you are just one drop. Allahu Akbar. Imagine Allah is reminding us, you think you're a big deal. At one stage, you were nothing. Remember this. Allahu Akbar. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala help us understand that life is sacred. We need to protect life. The Quran says if you save one life, you've saved humanity. And if you cause one death, you have destroyed entire humanity. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala safeguard us. Then Allah says, وَلَا تَقْرَبُوا مَالَ الْيَتِيمِ Don't go close to the wealth of an orphan. When someone passes away, they leave behind an estate. You would be guilty if you did 
if you delayed the distribution of the estate. You would be guilty if you ate the wealth of the sisters and the mothers and the daughters and the women and the sons and anyone else. If you had control over that wealth, you must fulfill it as soon as possible. Allah says, don't go close to that wealth. It is bad for you. It is dirty. It will cause problems. It will split the family. How many wealthy people pass away and their children are killing each other because of a dollar or two. I'd rather not have been that wealthy if that was going to be a result. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protect us from that type of dispute. But we need to save ourselves. Allah says, The same list. Allah says, When you are weighing in terms of buying and selling, do so with justice. Don't shortchange people. When you are buying and selling, be open, apparent. Look at how beautiful the list is. Allah is telling you, be open, apparent. When you're buying and selling, be honest. And inshallah, you'll have barakah and blessings in your deal. Then Allah says, وَإِذَا قُلْتُمْ فَعْدِلُوا وَلَوْ كَانَ ذَا قُرْبَى Whenever you open your mouth and you are uttering and bearing witness, speak the truth, even if it is against your own relative. No matter. Speak the truth all the time. Be just. فَعْدِلُوا Be just. Justice is something that will save you from the torment of this world and the next. If you are unjust, you might see some goodness for a little while. You know, I'm unjust and I lied. So I achieved a bit of money or oh, I was paid. I was bribed, etc. I might be happy for a short space of time. After that, sickness overtakes you. Lack of contentment, so many other diseases, you can't sleep and so on. Allah is teaching you, you know what? There are certain things that your wealth will never be able to give you. It's in our control. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us guidance. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, ذَلِكُمْ وَصَّاكُمْ بِهِ لَعَلَّكُمْ تَذَكَّرُونَ Allahu Akbar. This is what Allah has advised you with in order for you to remember. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bless us. Everything we've said today, if we were to adopt it in our lives, we would definitely be able to save ourselves from the harm of this world, from the difficulties of this world, as well as from the punishment of the hereafter. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us all Jannah. Wa sallallahu wa sallam wa baraka ala Muhammad.